gripe I have with you is destroying Wawa. This! Who else is going to pay you this kind of money? And who else needs you that bad? The contracts are getting too out of control. It is. The guy is such a loser. The Couch Guy Sports Podcast. He holds on to that ball. They have another play. They win the game. With Nick Qualia. At one point, you have to go, okay, this isn't working. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, Jared Scott. You guys have, have a terrible coach guys. and a terrible quarterback. You guys can all screw and figure out how to be a real organization. I can't even be mad. Couch Guy Sports Podcast, episode 104. We got me, Nick Qualia. We got Jared Scally, and we got producer Patty P. We almost had a guest this week. Very close to having a guest this week. Yeah, what happened if, to that? So, he'll probably be on next week. The problem was, and I I don't know, he could have even done it. So, we're recording Thursday instead of Wednesday this week. Uh, possibly a late night drop for the podcast. If not, you guys are going to get this on Friday. Uh, but I'm thinking it's going to be a late night with Pat nodding his head. Uh, but regardless, it doesn't matter because you guys aren't going to know by the time this comes out. Uh, so we, I did have a guest lined up, but things got a little tough with all the games in Boston. What a problem with Boston. We've got good sports teams in every sport. Eh, so Baseball is a rough subject right now. Well, yeah. I mean, we did just win the World Series in the, in the, in the most recent World Series. That was us. And now the Red Sox are in last place. And now the Red Sox are the worst team in baseball. We're going to get into that. They're fucking horrendous. And every in the past three podcasts we've talked about the Red Sox, I've been like, oh, no, don't, they'll be fine. They'll figure it out. Uh, at this point, they are now 6-13. and 13. I'm not sure. And David Price is talking about people getting traded. And David Price is talking about people getting traded, which is excellent. All right, so let's we, we got a lot of topics tonight, so we're not really going to have a huge weekly dump. We're going to have a little mini weekly dump this week. But pew, 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 pew. All right, so weekly dump. Poo, poo. People are now suing the Florida prosecutors in the Florida Police Department for putting cameras in the massage parlor because there were a couple innocent people who did not get any rubdowns, who did not get any hanky-panky, and now there's just video of them just butt-ass naked inside the massage parlor that realistically the police shouldn't have. So honestly... I think that this is a legit thing. I think that they should actually be able to sue because that's kind of bullshit. Like, if I'm going to a massage parlor and I'm not trying to get a rub down there, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? If I'm not trying to get a rub down, I am pissed that there's now a video of me butt-ass naked at a police station. <laughs> yeah. I, the, I'm I, pissed. Just, I just really don't want to see the Robert Kraft video come out. Can we not? Oh, no way. Dude, I am all in on the Robert Kraft video. The second that comes out, I'm downloading. I don't care what virus it comes. I'll spend $1,000 on a computer. I'm watching that video. You want to watch <laughs> old man Kraft just get rubbed down? Yeah! He bangs <laughs> style. Yeah! Why? The guy's an icon. You, you, want, you want to watch that. the icon get shoved up a little bit? Like, yeah! <laughs> Absolutely! I don't believe anybody who says they don't want to see it. You're I don't watching see that it. video. I don't want to see it. You're watching the hell out of that video. Everybody's watching that video. And the thing is, so now they're saying that it's going to be pixelated if it gets released legally. So April 29th is the court date set, so that's 11 days from now. April 29th, the judge and the court, they're going to decide whether or not this video is going to be blocked from release. The police department, and I think it was the attorney general straight up, and I don't have all the facts of the story, okay, 
Guys, before before we keep going, I had a little incident while I was show prepping, so I didn't get the show prep too hard. But, but, so the police department or the attorney general wanted to release the video now, but the court was like, guys, you gotta wait until we at least have the the, the hearing. You can't it was just lo- the video. legitimately like his lawyers. It was Kraft's lawyers who like filed the paperwork. They might as well have been sitting there waiting for them to do this and said, no, 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 no. We have the paperwork. You can't do that yet. Like it makes sense. But Kraft's lawyers are like on top of this. Like they are on top of every inch of what's going on to make sure that nothing happens in the wrong way and trying to avoid this video coming out. So I don't understand because if it's Florida law and if this does go to court, then it's evidence. Right, so it is, but it's so not. It's all, not there yet. It's not there yet, and that's why they're like, no, I know, no, no, but, no, 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 no. <laughs> hold on. But, he, but here's the thing: Kraft is fighting this. All Kraft had to do to block this from coming out was take the initial plea deal and not get say, a "Oh, other than that, other than the obvious." But if he didn't want this video to, video to come out, all he had to do was take that that initial plea deal. It'd say, guys, if you went forward with this, you would have found me to be guilty. I would have been charged guilty. But he didn't take that deal. Nope. So now we're here. And if this does go to court, then I don't understand the grounds that the Kraft case is on because at that point, the video is part of evidence. And then according to Florida law, that's got to be released. Yeah. If it goes to court, it will be released. Like they're it's, just put, they're just delaying the inevitable. Like if it actually goes to trial, this you're going to see Mr. Kraft himself get a little hanky panky rub down. Um, from a I don't know. I don't know why he didn't just admit it. That, yeah, like yeah, you would have found me to be guilty. It blows my mind because he wouldn't admit this. Yet he was like, "Yeah, Brady, we deflated the footballs. We'll take the million dollar well, fine. I, we'll lose draft well, picks." Well, this is this is a legit crime, though. I okay, think there's a little but like, difference. But same. Like this isn't like, this isn't like you, a you game fu- thing. But like you should have easily been able. If you can admit this, if you can't admit this, you and you, what's it going to be to him? Like a fine? Like he's not going to go to jail. No, he's he not going to go to jail, but he, he could have just initially just just taken the plea deal, and then this video would have been sealed. My only concern, though, being Kraft, is even if I do take that plea deal, I admit to it, the embarrassment's out there now, because clearly we've seen it at this point. He doesn't want people to believe that this happened, but obviously everybody knows that it happened. What's he do when it comes out? Like, he can't hide from the fact that know. it happened. If, so, if we can all sit here in a pixelated video and watching him getting a rub down, like, it happened. <laughs> Okay, no, you're right. But the thing is, if if he did take the plea deal and then the court sealed it, you know, regardless, TMZ is getting their hand their hand on this video, and it comes out unpixelated, and it's gonna come out regardless. So I understand it from that aspect. But if you wanted to take every measure to make sure that this video doesn't come out, just take that initial plea deal, Kraft. What are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I, I From day one when that came out, I was like, oh, great. He'll take the play deal. We'll be fine, and it'll be on their way. And now it's like, wait, you didn't take it? So idiotic. We'll see. But the video will be on the summer. Summertime pleasures. Again, not a huge weekly dump. The Tampa Bay Lightning, my favorite story of the week, got their asses swept all year. All year. All you heard was, oh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're one of the best teams we've ever seen in hockey. Oh, my God. They're so good all the way around. Every aspect of the game, they're so deep. They've got the best talent on the ice, and they got their asses swept in the first round by the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Columbus Blue Jackets. You got your asses swept. Swept. 
But Nick, it was supposed to be Bruins Lightning. Winner was going to win the Stanley Cup. What happened? I don't give a fuck. Oh what my happened? god. You're the Tampa Bay Lightning couldn't get past it. And listen, the Columbus Blue Jackets are a good team. They're a good hockey team. And that's the best part. This is why hockey playoffs are the best. And that people are never going to understand that if you don't watch hockey. Playoff hockey is the best because you can never, ever, ever predict who's going to win. You know what's you the best is because you just got swept by John Tortorella. Like, yeah, John it. Tortorella. You, you got swept, swept by ass. John Tortorella, of all people. I hate John Tor- John Tortorella is one of my favorite people in, in sports because I never I like I hate him but I love him at the same time and I never oh, if he actually was the Bruins know. coach like he would never actually be but like if he was the Bruins coach we'd all love him in the city oh I love Bruce because Cassidy he, though oh Bruce Cassidy's phenomenal yeah I know he's a good coach Bruce Cassidy the the Boston right now is very fortunate to have to have four great head coaches slash managers I mean we'll talk about Alex Cora in a second I don't really necessarily like everything that's going on with the Red Sox but. We'll talk about that. But the Tampa Bay Lightning got their asses swept. Phenomenal story. Best story of the week. Um, Jared apparently didn't watch the Bruins game last night, which is some bullshit. Don't don't love that. Don't appreciate that. But you know what? Jared, I'm glad you brought that tweet up because I have written here Jared's tweet. I wish I actually wrote down what the tweet was. There was a tweet that Jared sent out this week that I wanted to talk about. But, I don't remember, so clearly it wasn't that big of a deal. But it clearly wasn't that big of a deal. It must have just been one of those things that I read over. I was like, oh, got to talk about that. <laughs> got to talk about that. But out of the three sports, because and I get I get having to choose because, like, because okay, I didn't watch much of the Celtics game last night because you had to choose between the Red Sox, Yankees, Tampa Bay Lightning, Bruins, Celtics, Pacers postseason. I obviously chose Bruins, Red Sox. You chose Red Sox, Pacers. So I mean, Red Sox, I, Celtics. Red Sox, I Celtics. have to choose the Pacers. You're there for the Pacers. <laughs> Go, Larry Bird! Woo! I guess, like, I understand it from that aspect, but dude, playoff hockey is the best, and the Celtics, like, the Celtics are going to win the series. I think we know that. They're not going to lose to a Victor Oladipo-less Pacers team. Can we just one come together that we both agreed on? We have to watch the Red Sox. Which is great. Yeah, we do, even though they've got six like, wins. We both didn't just go Celtics Bruins like most human beings probably did in this city. We actually both watched the Red Sox game. Um, no, I Which just didn't. Which do a lot for the Red Sox. Yeah, and I mean, like, partially my job because of in the triangle here on Couch Guy Sports. But, like, also, I'd just rather watch baseball than hockey. Just my preference. And I'm never going to not watch the Celtics game. But you know what? You know what, though? Like, this series for the Celtics – and I know I keep saying the Bruins or hockey playoffs is the best – but not only is it the best, it's this series is what makes it even better because it's Toronto uh, Maple. I keep wanting to say the Blue Jays. The Toronto Maple Leafs versus the Bruins. It's two teams who don't like each other. It's two teams who have been taking shots at each other. I mean, we've seen Kadri. Uh, he's suspended for the rest of the series for the cheap shot he took on DeBrusque. Who asshole. DeBrusque, by the way, has been – yeah, he's an asshole. DeBrusque, by the way, has been silent. We're going to talk about that more once we talk about the Bruins. Um but, man, I mean, it's it's a bloodbath of a series. We're going to talk about that in a second. So, okay, again, quick weekly dump. Not much in there uh, because we have about – usually we get three topics. We have five, maybe six topics here to, to hit on in the next 35 minutes. Pew. Bang, bang. All right, that was the weekly dump. We're going to jump into first to get it out of the way because I know I'm not going to get away with not talking about this on the show. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's back. I'll officially say he's back. Let's go. 
Tiger Woods. And this has been my precedent the whole time. So Tiger Woods wins the Masters. It was amazing to watch. And Did you watch it? I did. Well, I watched some of it. You watched five minutes of it. No, I watched the last watched three Twitter. holes. You watched Twitter. <laughs> I did. I did. But, you, but, like, I've never claimed to be a big golf guy. You got a golf podcast. Yeah, I used to. I don't anymore. That okay, means I have to watch it. Okay, but yo, you should want to watch it. Um, I enjoyed it when I had the podcast, but I don't I I just can't get into it. And even with the Masters, like I don't I like I watched the Masters a little bit, but turning on golf, I just don't love it's it. I don't, I don't I don't I don't I don't care. Masters. It's just another golf tournament to me. No, it's not. It's the green jacket. It's the Tiger just won his fifth Masters. His fifth green jacket. People would kill to win it once. He won it. Now Jack's record's back in play too. You know that, right? Okay. Yeah. No. And so that's actually what I wanted to talk about because, like I said, like I don't watch a ton of golf, but I know what's going on, and and I pay attention, like I do to most sports. I, I pay attention. I've got I've got my finger on the pulse. So Tiger Woods wins the Masters. Tiger Woods wins the Masters. Forty-two years old, right? Forty-three. Yeah, way to have your finger on the pulse. 42 years old. He's 42 or 43. Obviously, coming back, everybody knows the story. Coming back from multiple back surgeries. Uh, you know, he's a cheating scumbag, but whatever. I mean, we'll live with that. I guess we're, we're just, past that. I guess we're just going to ignore that. We're past um, that. Just like, just like, by the way, uh, I uh, I have this tweet. Right, you know what? I'm going to send this. I'm going to send this right now just to piss off Yankees fans. This is in my drafts. Um, I'll tell you what the tweet is in a second. I can look. But, but Tiger Woods. Wins the Masters, obviously a big comeback. My question, though, Jared, is he now the greatest golfer of all time? Um, yes, hundred percent. Like, how I, does he beat a guy? So here's my problem. Here's my problem with people saying that, and this is, and I don't agree. And again, I don't watch much of golf, so this is a completely unbiased perspective. Yeah, you're, no, you're I wrong. Know, Tiger Woods is no. Tiger Woods is great for the game. He's probably the greatest thing ever for the game in why that not, aspect. Why is he not the greatest? Because we're over here in New England, and we've always discredited Joe Montana for not having as many Super Bowls as Tom Brady. That's why he's not the best, right? Why is Tiger Woods all of a sudden now great, better than Jack Nicklaus? Jack Nicklaus still has more majors, it's, it, but it's the comeback. It's the fact that he was able to persevere. I've got this fucking cat here. I'm watching this house, and this cat's meowing his ass off upstairs. <laughs> Tiger, yeah. shut the, up. The, the cat knows you're wrong. He's trying to pitch in on Tiger. Actually, his name's Tiger. Oh, that Tiger is uh, literally talking <laughs> through a cat. I'm not kidding. His name's Tiger. <laughs> um. So so why so sorry I missed I missed that what'd you I say know, because Tiger was trying to pitch in for me here um, look it's the comeback part of it like right the what he had to deal with the Jack Nicklaus won, won the major... Masters at forty six okay yeah and Tiger has the now this is two three majors away from tying Jack he's won to, like PGA Tour victory tying Sam Snead who you probably don't even know who that is for the most yeah, PGA you're right. <laughs> he's just the winningest golfer in golf history. <laughs> Um, you know, because Jack Nicholas won 18. How okay. is he the winningest no. if somebody has more? No, no, no. Jack has 18 majors. Yes. Sam, Sam Snead has 82 PGA Tour career wins, like total. So, like, okay. Jack does. Jack, so, Jack has less actual tour wins than those guys. He just has the most majors, which I know you're going to say, well, that's all that matters. Sam Snead 
There's well, yeah, I will, no, so, no, and I will say that it's it's like the Peyton Manning Brady argument: regular season wins versus championship wins. Okay, well, they're all wins. They're, all, they're, they're no, you can't compare the two. Sam yeah, Snead has can, won. Though. That's that's Sa- what we're talking about here. Sam Snead has won 82 career PGA Tour wins. Tiger's at 81, right? So one more he ties, two more he becomes the winningest golfer of all time. That that's goat right there. And then if he t- if he even won one more with the comeback, like one major now is worth so many more. And if he even comes close to Jack now, if he can get to like 16 or 17, there's no argument because of the fact that's of the, the Okay, so I was going to say that. If, if he can – From your perspective, because you're you're not as much of a golf fan as I am, if he if he gets close to Jack and doesn't break fans, them – sons of bitches. I play too, so what do you like, what do you what do you guys drink IPAs too? Huh? Yeah, do I do actually. And do you guys and do you guys talk about your special off brand coffee that you guys all drink together? You guys only drink a black because you don't want to ruin the taste. You just what do you want off brand coffee. You're the guy who used to come to guys- ESPN New Hampshire and go sip at a <laughs> coffee shop across the street and wouldn't drink dunks. And it was, and it was delicious. Yeah, it was oh, delicious. Mr. Me, I'm the golf guy. Yeah, no, you do the same thing. Um, you weren't expecting that, were you? Look, <laughs> you come at me with this crap. I want you to answer my question. As a guy who doesn't watch golf continuously, would you be able to sit back and go, you know what, Tiger is the greatest of all time, even though he didn't beat Jack because of what he had to go through and he got close? No. So he has to, in your eyes, he has to actually get 19 majors. What if he ties Jack? I don't even think he has to do that. So he has 15 right now? He has 15, Jack has 18, and he's one away from being the most winningest. And if he wins more majors, he's going to end up being the winningest golfer of all time. So don't even Okay, so, so, so give me that. I'll give him one more major, just like this. And listen, I'm a man of my word, okay? I'm a man of my word. This is recorded, you know. Like we release this to the people. This is a podcast. And, and I'm a man of my word. Like I said, I would not say Tiger was back until he won a major because that's what Tiger Woods does, and that's what he did. Tiger's back, okay? I will say Tiger is the greatest of all time if he wins one more major. Okay, so by the end of the summer, you'll be admitting you're wrong. I'll, and that's fine. So be it. So be it. He's winning another one this year. You know that, right? I don't know. Nobody knows. He's playing. Nobody knows. The, the, the next three majors. You seen in the future, Jared? The, the next three majors are at all golf courses that he's had massive success at. This year was built for him to win at least two majors. All right. Hey, and if he, and and the, and if he, he wins two, even better. Black, Pebble Beach. Like, these courses are made for his game, and he knows them like the back of his hand. If he wins two, even better. Even better. Even golf, even the guys on the tour after this win are saying it's so great. It's as much as it sucks for us winning. It's nice to see him back and competitive every week because we all want to go against the best, and we don't do that unless Tiger's out here. They know he's the greatest of all time. Jack Nicholas hasn't come out and said he's better than I was. Like he's a better golfer. I wish Joe Montana would do that about Brady. Because yeah, that's true. <laughs> he needs to. Joe Montana needs to get over himself real quick, but. Yeah, no, Tiger's back. I'm glad you finally admit it. He was back before the major. Tiger's but back. No, Tiger's absolutely back. That's he a fact. Did, what he did this weekend for the game of golf, like just the TV ratings, just the allure of it, the crowds that were around him at the Masters, that was deafening. It was so I, good. No, and and I, that's what I led this off with. Tiger is the greatest thing that's ever happened to golf. But I, I think he needs down. to win one more major. Okay. Well, we'll be talking in a couple weeks because there's another right. one coming up. So. All right, what's, what's the next one? The PGA Championship, second oh, week of May. Right Excellent. after the Kentucky Derby. I'll make sure to tune in. You gambling the Kentucky Derby this year, big guy? No, I had to take a break from gambling because I've lost a lot of money. <laughs> Not even on the Bruins games here, bud? No, no. Which I'm glad I haven't because I've, I've had a lot of money down in like ready to hit submit. And then I backed out. And I've lost, both times I've done that, they've lost. Mm-hmm. So, no. 
All right, this is the tweet I'm sending out. Just thinking about how a guy let his kid bring a sign to Yankee Stadium last night, supporting a role as Chapman. I guess we'll just forget about the time he choked his girlfriend. You'll get some response. Am I wrong? Nope. He, you, does, do people remember Roldis Chapman choked his girlfriend and then fired a gun? But, like, people – I mean, it's not the same thing, but, like – 103 miles an hour! Woohoo! Tiger Woods drives the ball 400 yards. He, but he had sex with, like, 3,000 women. Yeah, this is sex. Like, that's not hurting anybody but his girlfriend or his wife. His wife. His wife. I mean, yeah, that sucks, but, like, this is this is horrendous. You can't equate Earl Chapman choking a girl to Tiger not being able to keep his dick in his pants. Cheers. All right. Sent. All right, just drop the bomb. <laughs> bomb drop. <laughs> I love Twitter so much. <laughs> I'll retweet you. Boom. The masses. All right. Next up, we got the Patriots schedule. We're going to do a little Patriots thing right now because the Patriots actually did make a move this week. They picked up Demarius Thomas. So before we actually get into the Patriots schedule, let's talk about the Demarius Thomas signing quick. I'm assuming you like it. I'm assuming you do too. Yeah, because okay. like here's the thing. You, like, here's the thing. Too much sense. How could you not like it? And not because that you really think the guy's going to be talented or that you think the guy's going to be okay. that productive. But playing with Brady's going to make him that much more productive. Well, hold on. But you mostly Patriots fans are excited about this move because look what else you have. You have nothing. Yeah, have <laughs> Philip Dorsett, Chris Hogan's even gone. Yeah, Chris he's like, Hogan signed with the I'm Panthers. Going, I'm, I'm going bye-bye. <laughs> Everybody is just gone. You don't yeah. have it. You, Gronk is gone. It's Edelman and Philip Dorsett and those two other guys who I forget their name already. You have nothing. So now that they brought in Demarius Thomas, great. You added to the receiver depth. Excellent. Now, is he going to be productive? That's a different story. Um. He's coming off of, <laughs> not one, two torn Achilles. Do you know how awful of an injury that is? Achilles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, an Achilles. <laughs> <laughs> you said it's so weird. Um, yeah, it's not easy to come back from, but, like, it's, it's such one a of the low, worst things to come back It's such from. a low-risk, high-reward for the Patriots. Like, isn't his – he's getting, like, 250K to sign. Almost the entire – it's, like, a $2 million base. Everything else is, like, incentivized. Like, he's got, like, playing time incentive, like, per game coming in. Like, all those – like, it's almost all incentive-based. Like, he has so much to prove that if he's healthy for one year, it does so much for the Patriots. And then maybe you sign him back for another year. Um, but Oh, like, no, they won't. This is a one-and-done thing. But this is this – is you, you know that. This oh, is a one-year thing. This is a you – you need to revitalize your career. We need some receiving help, and you were on our short list last year. So come in, help us potentially win another Super Bowl. You'll be happy while you're here winning, and then you'll go get paid somewhere else. He could he could get 1,500 yards and break Randy Moss's touchdown record, and he'll be gone next season. Oh, because seriously, if he's healthy, like if he actually is like coming back and is healthy, him and Brady will have a phenomenal connection. Here's the, here's the interesting thing, though, for me with Demarius Thomas is we've always made fun of this guy for being too soft. The guy can't hold on to the ball. He's just soft. He's not, one, he's not a gritty guy that's somebody that, that, that we would expect to like. So why would we like him this year, and why would he be tough? Just I say he's going to be tough. Patriots I just say he's going to catch a damn ball. Brady, somebody. Is he going to catch the damn ball? Because that's what he's he's always been known okay, for the drop. But he used to be an elite receiver, and now he's not, quote-unquote, the number. I know. Okay, I'm not saying he's going to come here and take over Edelman's job. I believe that's what you said, Jared. No, I didn't. Jared, I think that's what you said. 
I, I think I, you said this guy's going to break records. You said he's going to break records. No, you said it. I said Tiger Woods is the no, greatest you golfer said, of all time. No, you Different said thing. you said Demarius Thomas is going to come in here and break records. This show's yeah. recorded, Jared. Yeah. Releasing right. to the masses. Producer Patty P will not go back and change wording for you to make me sound like I'm, I'm wrong. He's not going to have to change wording. You said it. <laughs> Producer Patty P. You on said record, better than remember, wrong. Remember that you are beautiful and Nick is wrong. Look. Pat's not even listening to us. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's smoking weed. Yeah, he's just having a little dirt. He's, he's smoking that marijuana. So I actually just tweeted at uh, Chicks in the Office. You guys know who they are? Yes. So they just posted um, eight hours ago this like uh, – teaser of their interview with lala kent who is i know you guys are saying lala kent how'd they get her uh she she's uh she is in this movie access sally that's that's coming out and let me let me play you some audio from the interview um real quick um here we go. Let me just cue it up right here. I'm, I'll edit all this out once I find the audio to play for you guys. <laughs> I don't want you to edit any of this out. This is cool. So here we go. Because right. what's crazy is people that say that I I book roles due to my fiance. He's simply a movie producer. He can open doors, but at the end of the day, like I have to go and prove myself. He doesn't have that kind of pull to allow me to play opposite Al Pacino. Right. Yeah. So. That moment was very cool for me. That's insane. So now when people say that shit to you and they're like, oh, you're only getting those parts, you could be like, well, Al Pacino said this to yeah. me. He said right. really good. <laughs> uh, credit chicks in the office, Barstool Sports. Her fiance is a producer on that movie. That she got in? <laughs> yes. Not, not saying that he has any, any pull. So this has, but no pull at all. But her fiance is a producer on that movie. So this has nothing to do with what's going, what we're talking about right now. No, no, I just, I just, <laughs> so, no, not at all. <laughs> okay, excellent. <laughs> but Breaking I did just, news. I can't see it. Persaurus Pedroia headed to injured list. Okay, so we're going to talk about Dustin Bro- Okay, so Dustin Pedroia head to the injured list. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Yikes. Okay, so back to Demarius Thomas. I think that he will help just because that's another guy that you have to watch. And regardless, it's kind of like Josh Gordon last year. When he came in, there was a lot of people, including me, who were like, regardless of the situation, regardless of how good he is, people know that he's so talented that they're going to have to watch him and they're going to have to be wary of him. Demarius Thomas is not in the same class as Josh Gordon, especially at this point in his career. But he is another body who people know that if there's any gas left in the tank and the Patriots can pull it out of him, they're going to have to watch him. It will take a defender away from maybe Edelman, maybe Josh Gordon, if Josh Gordon does come back. So I believe Josh Gordon's going to be back. Like, I, I don't think they should be banking on it at all. Like at all. But I don't like, either. I think that's why they went and got Demarius Thomas. I think now if they can add like a younger receiver in the draft, figure out other parts of their game. Brady's won with a lot less. Let's be real. Dorsett, Edelman, Demarius Thomas, and your running game. Doable. That's fine. But, and especially with their schedule, which we're going to talk about cakewalk. Look, if Josh Gordon comes back at all this year, it's a win because then he's back for the playoffs. So 
you look at what the Demarius Thomas represents, it's just a guy to get Edelman more open. Like, you just need guys to run around so Edelman's not double-teamed every freaking play. It just sucks to look back on this offseason, though, and really think about the guys that you could have gotten. Like, they they like they put in Golden a Tate's deal for the one that pisses me off. Golden Tate's the one Golden that pisses Tate me off. Golden Tate sucks. The Golden Tate situation sucks. I think the Adam Humphrey situation sucks. They tried to trade for Sterling Shepard, couldn't figure it out. They tried to trade for OBJ, well, couldn't you know figure what? it out. I'm, I'm okay with not trading because you had so many guys that you could have gotten on the free agent market. And Adam Humphreys is actually the one that pisses me off because the Patriots offered him more money and he was going to come here, but he already told Tennessee yes. So if you just got to Adam Humphreys first or if you just got to him earlier and maybe if Belichick – wasn't sitting his ass. Where was he? In Boca Raton? I don't I don't know where he was. But if Belichick wasn't sitting his ass hey, there hey. on the first day of free agency, maybe we would have got Adam Humphreys, and maybe we wouldn't have to go get somebody who's got two torn Achilles coming back for his age 31 season. Rain it in. Rain it in there, champ. That what, pisses what, me what, off. What, what did we say like a month ago about Bill Belichick? We're going to stop questioning everything at this point because we're done because he's, he's winning. We're going to stop. Yeah, I know. And when they win the Super Bowl next year, you can play this back. When – because they're going to eventually they're going to get number seven. They're going to be the winningest franchise of all time, and we're going to say how the hell do they win with just Julian Edelman and Demarius Thomas as their receiving core? And they they're going to do it. Look, this team is still built to win because they're going to figure it out. They have some young pieces last from last year's draft that were hurt. As they win to name one that are going to come back and dominate this team. I'm done questioning it. We can talk about the schedule. We can pick off wins. Um, look, the draft's super important. They have a crap ton of picks. You know they're going to make some moves. I still want them to go get Josh Rosen. There's a lot to happen still. Yes, the Humphrey situation pisses me off. But you know what? They got another receiver. They got Demarius Thomas, a proven dude who, yeah, has soft hands. But you know what? He can catch a football sometimes. Soft hands is a good thing. He's got rock hard hands. Eh. Mm. 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 Look. All right, let's move on to the Patriots schedule. Not a bad move. Oh, Patriots schedule? They're going to be 7-0 in the first seven weeks. All right, Patriots schedule September 8th, opening night, Sunday, the first game on Sunday Night Football, because remember, the the Super Bowl champions are not playing the first game of the year this year. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers at home win. Yeah, they're raising the banner. Number six, right? Number six going up. Steelers are the other team with number six. In Pittsburgh's face to tie them with all the crap that's been going on with them. This is great. They're going to win by two touchdowns. They're getting the dreaded at Miami game er, uh, over early. I'm gonna go with a loss. I know a lot of people are saying that they're gonna they're gonna roll through the first nine weeks, eight weeks, and just go eight and zero, nine and zero. But the Patriots always struggle in September. They always struggle in Miami. I don't know why people are saying that they're gonna win this game. That game is the only one that like makes me say loss. Because I, I think Brady it is a loss. Play, Brady can't play in the heat as it is, and you put him in Miami week two, week two. I yeah, I say it's win, a, it's but a, like it's it's so cutter. It's so fifty fifty. It's a September game. It's in Miami. Loss. Uh, New York Jets at home Sunday one p.m. Win. Yeah, win. Buffalo Bills at Buffalo one p.m. Win. the twenty ninth. Win. Redskins suck. Who the, who is their quarterback? <laughs> yeah, who is their quarterback? Is it Mark Sanchez? <laughs> he coming back? Like what is that? Nobody knows who the quarterback is going to be. Win. Giants versus the Giants. Win. Uh, in New York, October twenty first, the Jets win. Win. Monday Night Football. Cleveland Browns win. I don't care. At home. It. I don't. It's it's at home. They're not. They're not losing. I think they'll win that too. In Cleveland, different story, game. maybe. And who knows? Honestly, Cleveland might not show up the way we're thinking. But right now, on paper, they're they're supposed to be good. But I still, I still say win. 
So right now I have him at seven and one. You have him at eight and zero, right? Yeah, I say win. Yeah, eight. Okay, November third, Ravens win. That I one's in. That one's in Baltimore. That one is in Baltimore. Loss. I just don't think. I think Lamar Jackson's overhyped. Loss. I think Lamar Jackson's overhyped. Their defense uh, is still good. Versus, I like. I'm. In, I'm intrigued with this game versus the Dallas Cowboys at home, Gillette Stadium, the 24th. Loss. Um, a win. I think that will be a win. I don't think the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are very overrated. I think Dak Prescott's overrated. Uh, I love Ezekiel Elliott. I'm probably the biggest Zeke fan going. But yeah, win. All right, December first at Houston. Win. Win. Versus Kansas tough. City, December eighth. Win. They're not going to be the same team this year. I'm going to go loss. I have a lot of trust in Patrick Mahomes. I have a lot of trust in Patrick Mahomes. They win. They won't let Kansas City beat them. I think they'll be due at that point for a loss. Um, yeah. Oh my god! Wait, I missed the Eagles. November seventeenth at Philadelphia. Loss. Really? Loss. If Carson Wentz is healthy, loss. Mm. I, I I don't trust the Eagles with Carson Wentz. So win. Uh, okay, December 15th, Bengals win. Fuck the Bengals. Wait, rest of that schedule, win. Uh, December 21st or 22nd against the Bills at home, win. win. And then at home versus the Dolphins, win. win. So what I have them for two losses? I think I had them three. I guess I have them 14 and two. I don't think they're going to go 14 and two. I have, them 13, be, and, I have them 13 and three. There's going to be some shitty games in there that they're going to lose. Like, See, they're going to win some of they They're going to lose some, some of these games that we're saying win, and they're going to win the games that we're saying lose. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. They, yeah, always yeah. Lose, they always lose a game in the division. Like people, people got to remember like this past season, they lost the Titans, the Jaguars, the Dolphins, the they Lions. Went on, Nick, they went 11 and five. They, and who else did they lose to? So Dolphins, Giants, I mean, Dolphins, Dolphins, Jaguars, Titans, Lions. Who was um, the fifth? Did you say Jaguars? I did. It was early in the year. They lost. They... Whoever it was, I forget who the fifth team was. All right, the Patriots' schedule, though, honestly, it could be worse. Like, is the the cool thing about their schedule is it's actually it's it's pretty easy. It seems like, but the names on it are fun. Like the Eagles, that's going to be a fun game. Kansas City, obviously, Dallas is going to be a fun game with the big star power there. That's going to be a fun schedule to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100 percent. All right, let's all, let's roll over. We gotta we gotta kind of move, pick it up a little bit. Oh, Steelers. Steelers. Yep. Okay, we got to pick this up a little bit. Let's talk about. You know what? Let's save the Red Sox for last because I feel like we're gonna have a lot to say about the Red Sox. Assholes. All right, Bruins versus Maple Leafs. Uh, first things first, the Drake curse is very real. Last night when they showed Drake on the TV, I was almost ready to turn the TV channel because I was like, "All right, Bruins got this in the bag." They showed Drake wearing. Oh, I don't. I don't know if you saw this. They showed Drake wearing a Maple Leafs jersey mid-game. As soon as I saw Drake, I was like, "This is over." I did see that. The, the yeah. Bruins got this. <laughs> 100%. I did see that. <laughs> Immediately. I was like, I can watch the Celtics and the Red Sox. Whatever. The thing, the cool thing about the Bruins right now, and what had to happen last night. So, again, so we record this Thursday, April 18th. Usually we do Wednesdays. Jared and Pat talked me into recording on Thursday night instead this week because after all the games, uh, it's the smart decision, I guess. Yeah, I'm smart. So, in game three, the Bruins lose. They go down two games to one. The one thing about the team that wasn't operating to their standards, their winning standards, 
is the first line. The first line was horrendous. It was they they just they weren't operating as a smooth unit. They were sloppy. And I don't know if that's as much as the Bruins first line or if it's just the speed of Toronto. Um, because I, I don't give that excuse Toronto, to Pasternak though. Like Pasternak I don't not- either. I don't either, but the way Toronto was playing, it was suffocating. The Toronto was also so there was a mix of the Bruins first line not playing well, but then on the other hand, Toronto's defense was flying. Yeah, I will say this, which uh, when they were the Bruins were trying to come back from a one goal lead, I think it was what game three Um, and the whole entire third period, it was three, two. And you felt like at some point the Bruins were going to break through and they never did. And I give massive credit to what you're saying, the Leafs defense, because usually that's when the Leafs fold. They give you a goal or two and you somehow win because the Toronto Maple Leafs are usually soft like that. They didn't do it for some reason this year. They figured out how to play defense and close a game. You should easily you could easily be up three one right now if that if it's Toronto of old, but it's not. I still think the Bruins are gonna win the series now they tied it up. But like that game speaks volumes of the difference between what we're used to seeing from Toronto and what we got this year so far. That so you that game does speak volumes in, in Toronto specifically one guy kind of screwed them and it's Kadri because one of the most effective guys on their team, especially offensively, had been Kadri. And the fact that he took that shot after DeBrusque was at DeBrusque was stupid that and that came off of so DeBrusque and Kadri they were going at it the entire series at that point the first game was kind of moot now uh, the second game in Boston was very fiery this third game DeBrusque and Kadri really going after each other and DeBrusque checked somebody into the boards it was a perfectly legal hit it wasn't a cheap shot uh earlier in the night too it was DeBrusque I believe who flipped Kadri up in the air and that picture is electric but why not just Kadri. why not just fight DeBrusque like, why take the cheap shot? I know it's Kadri has a history. DeBrus doesn't fight. I know, but, like, why not try before taking the cheap shot? Because you know, there were no video. Like, usually when someone tries to fight, like, you see it. Like, someone, especially on national TV, they'll show you the attempt and then, like, the, the runaway. No one even showed that. Like, there was no attempt. It was just, I'm going to cross-check you across the throat and see what happens. Like it was, it was a ridiculously stupid move on his part because he's out for the series now. The hearing's over. He's out for the series. And I don't know if his absence was necessarily felt – in game four, and I don't really think that they win that. I don't think Toronto wins that game and beats the Bruins in Toronto game four if Kadri's in. That's not what I'm saying, but he certainly would have helped. The Bruins, even though they won that game, they won six to four, they didn't win it decisively. They no. didn't win it decisively. And I think it's because of the numbers that we're looking at right now uh, with Tuka Rask, he did give up four goals, but Tuka Rask really was a big portion of winning that game. Because, yeah, he gave up four goals, and that Austin Matthews goal that he did give up was disgusting. Yep. But but he did make some excellent saves that he had no business saving. No business saving. For w- once, I'm not mad about Tuca. Let's go there. Tuca's like, playing great hockey right now. Usually, and you know me, and every time we give the Bruins some attention on this show, I'm always one to complain about Tuca because I just think he was has never been ready to really lock in and – win a playoff series, win a Stanley Cup. He outplayed Anderson last night in game four. And he is not every game the, the Bruins have lost, he has not been the reason why. No, he's not. And the problem so again, the problem with that third game was the lack of the first line showing up. One guy who's shown up big time in this entire series has been playoff David Krejci. Sorry, I thought we lost you, Jared. Pat, 
Can you mark this part down? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I froze, so I thought I got lost too. I thought I thought you were gone. Anyway, what one of the one of the main components that's actually shown up this series has been playoff David Krejci. He's been awesome. Well, because he has someone to skate and, with, like, and Charlie Coyle, Weymouth's own Charlie right. Coyle. I'm watching a house in Weymouth right now. Charlie Coyle has been electric. He has been electric. If that this first run, line shows run. up. Huh? That Ryan that Ryan Donato trade now looks better and better. It as, does as you go through. We all complain. I complained about it when it happened. I'm like, why are you trading Ryan Donato? I like, didn't. Dude, Donato was soft this year. When he was up to start, he was soft. He did not look like the same kid that they brought up last year. And I yeah. know, oh, you gotta let the kid play. Whatever. We got Charlie Coyle now. We say Charlie Coyle's here for another year or two. Whatever. He's great. He's a good. He's a very solid third line death piece. But, but. The thing is, they needed this first line to show up. And Jared, the first line's here, baby. Pasta, Marshy, Bergey, they look good. And actually, quite frankly, Bergeron has might have been the worst out of the three. And he's been good. That tells you how good that first line's been. There is no question, and this is something that you talked about as they lose. It's the, this line needs to win, be, do well or this team can't win. Like anybody, everybody else in the you team have, can play well, right. but if the, if the first slide doesn't play well, well, that fucking sucks. You're not even going to get past the first round. I was concerned about them giving up on this opportunity now because the lightning got swept, like you mentioned in the uh, the tiny weekly dump. Like we're concerned about them not even getting out of the first round because the first freaking line couldn't get their heads out of their asses. Pasta's two goals last night in game four were his first two goals of the series. Like what, in what world did you think that was going to happen? The reason why the Bruins were on that streak this year, the reason why the Bruins were the second best team in hockey is because of the first line. No, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And not only do they have to get better offensively, but they have to be better defensively, which they were last night. I mean, again, Bergeron, actually is now a finalist again for the Selkie Trophy, which is excellent. Uh, he deserves it every single year, which if you guys don't know, the Selkie Trophy is the best, um, best, I would, the best defensive forward or best, de- whatever it is, best defensive forward, right? That's best, what the, the Selkie Award, Trophy yeah, the is. best defensive forward. He gets it, he's up for it. Like, he's, he's a finalist again. So the best defensive forward. Can he win um, one? Honestly, I feel like he probably should win it every year, but they just don't want to give it to him every year. Well, he's basically won it every year. No, he hasn't won it the last couple years, hasn't he? No, he won last year too, I thought. No, he didn't. Selkie Trophy. Let me look it up. The power of the internet. Oh, no. So, Kopitar. Who was right? 18, 17 Bergeron, 16 Kopitar, 15 Bergeron. Who was right? (laughs) Didn't. 14 Bergeron, 13 Taves. 12 Bergeron. Yeah. So they do so it every other due. year. So he's due. He's probably going to win the Selkie this year. 11 Kessler. 2010. Okay. Bergeron. No, Bergeron. Bergeron, the first time Bergeron won it was 2012. But anyway, so that's one thing that had to step up too was the first line's defense. Because like I said, to start off this whole Bruins conversation, the problem was the, the Toronto Maple Leafs first line was flying flying around the Bruins first line, both offensively and defensively. So the fact that the defense actually did step up last night and Toronto was coming. Don't get me wrong. Toronto was coming. Toronto is playing very scary hockey right now. The Bruins have to catch up to their speed, which they can't, but they're going to have to try to slow it down at least. The first line needs to step up. They have to play 
maybe not as great as they did last night, but they still have to play great hockey. They just have oh, to at this point. Hundred percent. They're, they're the engine that makes this team go. If they it's, aren't playing well, you can do whatever you want. But that team is what fuels your goals. That that team is what sparks the offense. And if you don't have your top line going, it's so this team is so top heavy relying on that first line and potentially the second line. Like if that first line is not going, they're screwed. Especially now that the Tampa Bay Lightning are out, and you have. And I'm not saying the Columbus Blue Jackets are a walkover by any means because they're not. But you but have a clear path to the Cup. You don't, Columbus. The, the way Columbus handled Tampa Bay makes me nervous. You have a clear. I'm not. You have a clear path to the Stanley Cup, and you still have to go through Washington. Clear path. Okay. Celtics playoffs. Let's do this one quick. Celtics, they take 2-0 lead. Kyrie, 37 points. Fucking fire in game two against Indianapolis. Tatum, just as good. Jason Tatum, also phenomenal. The Duke boys. And that's the thing. So Kyrie, if he if he has a good relationship with anybody on the team, it's Jason Tatum. So when those two are clicking, those two are fire. Can I tell you one thing about this series so far? What? Is that it makes me believe more and more that Kyrie's staying. I know. I've seen your tweets, too. And that's not a tweet I was going to talk about, but I've seen it. Like I, Because... I, it's been it's it, his excitement to be here during this postseason has been. This noticed. is why he came. This is what he came for. In the last year, it sucked obviously because he didn't play. So like this, him playing with Gordon Hayward, him playing alongside Jason Tatum, and the play last night when he came down and ended up passing the ball to Jason Tatum at the end of the game to make a shot to close the game out. He passed the ball to Jason Tatum. He doesn't give the ball up to many people to take tough shots. He trusts Jason Tatum. He loves his teammates. The excitement's there. He's after these first two games. He he sees what the playoff guard. I mean, knows, but he hasn't been a part of it playing. These first two games alone make me feel even more confident that he's staying. He's not going anywhere. One because we've talked about it, right? Where the fuck is he going to play? But two, right now the way this team looks, they're finally starting to gel a little bit more, and they look more and more like they should have all year. And it, it, but you started to see that at the end of the season too. Yeah, the last like month of the season they started doing this, and now it's carrying over. Young guys are starting to figure it out. When they, if they get Marcus Smart back, that's only going to help. Um, hopefully, he's back for the second round because they're obviously at this point not going to lose to the Pacers. But like, this team is built for a run. And anybody, I was watching. I think it was ESPN. I don't know. They're a joke. Someone there said, "Well, this team. I, don't, I still don't think the Celtics can make a deep run." Have you been watching the last month, you idiots? This team is poised to make a run. They're, I don't. I don't. I would take them seven game against the Bucks right now. I would take them potentially seven games against Toronto, but that's the only one that scares me. So they're the first game they didn't I forget what the final score was. It was in the eighties. They didn't score much. No, they played all it was all defense. They scored ninety nine last night. Their lack of offensive production doesn't scare you at all. Nope. Because you're all getting right. Marcus. Right, that's the answer going on. <laughs> no, because look about it. Think about it. Their defense has been pretty good, right? And you don't have Marcus Smart. If you and, yeah, and and you know it's not just me being a Marcus Smart guy. You know how important Marcus Smart is to this team defensively, chippiness, being a pain in the ass to other teams. Him coming back for the second round is what you need. Now I'm not sure if that's even going to happen because it's sketchy his injury right now. Like he just started feeling pain, like no pain walking. So so that's kind of a big deal to hear that him say that. But the sooner they win, this the more rest this whole team has. Um, and the better off you'll be going against the Bucks, who just look fucking phenomenal. And another guy that people have to talk about because it's the postseason and he does this consistently every single year, 
Al Horford, man. Al Horford shows up every playoffs, and I, it's consistent. Like, playoff Al is a thing, and he does everything so well. He's not necessarily a rim protector, but he plays. he's playing solid defense. He's taken away the uh, Indianapolis's – I mean, they didn't really have too many scores. But he's taken away the, their opportunities to score. He's putting up points. Al Horford has been – not the unsung hero because I think it's expected, but he's been great this playoffs. And you give him ma- you give First the Celtics games. massive credit. Yes, and that block last night um, to transition to Jason Tatum's three was a phenomenal sequence. I don't think Celtics. Danny Age gets enough credit for signing Al Horford. I know that's no, what started all this. He's the yeah. reason why all these free agents want to play here he, because Al Horford decided Boston was a destination. Al Horford was a ma- that was he was the biggest free agent that summer, right? That was that summer, or was that Durant too? Was Durant that summer? No, Durant was the summer before. I mean, the yeah. summer after. So Horford was the name that summer, and the Celtics signed him. That's insane. Well, so, you know, Isaiah Thomas. Give him credit, too. Isaiah, okay. Tom- no, Isaiah Thomas made Boston a destination. But my po- I know, but my point is, would Isaiah Thomas have loved it that much, and would that team have done as well without Al Horford? Uh, no, probably not. Okay. I give the Celtics credit, especially Dan- um, Brad Stevens, for managing, range. managing Al Horford. Because they've admitted it, they said it, they rested him for load management, him and Kyrie for the playoffs, because they know what Al means in the postseason, and now you're seeing why the rest was okay. All right, by the next time we come on this uh, podcast, this team, there's a very good chance. I I don't know what the schedule is. I'm assuming they play two more games. They do. That should be a great thing. There's a very real chance that they move on to the next round already. We'll be talking Celtics Bucks next time. We'll be talking. Show. We'll be talking Celtics Bucks. All right, let's move on to the Red Sox. Last topic of the night. Ugh, Red Sox suck. Do we have to talk about those idiots? <laughs> the Red Sox stink at baseball. Jared, you know baseball. You know that sticky bat game. They suck. Is it, is it dizzy? Are they playing to play wiffle ball? Like I don't understand. They They're not good. Stink. Are they officially the worst team in baseball? Like, they are right now, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. record-wise? Yeah, um, they're the division, 100%. They're in last place. Um, let me look that up. Let me let me, let me type that in the old dude, Google. They got to be down there. <laughs> them and the Orioles have like the this the worst run differential in baseball right now. They're like minus 41. That's, that's Google looking things up. Is that is that the Google machine? Searching. Okay, so searching. The Red Sox are the have the second most losses in baseball, only behind the Miami Marlins. Oh God, we're in that class. <laughs> the Miami Marlins have fifteen losses. The Red Sox have thirteen. Everybody else, the next closest, has twelve. So we went from the World Series championship. To the Miami Marlins. With the highest payroll in baseball. And basically the same roster that won your World Series. Yes. And they, the thought, that they, and they thought that DFA and Blake Swihart would be the trick. Okay, so let's talk about that. Because you don't, you don't necessarily – we don't have to talk about the Red Sox play right now because it's We know putrid. they suck. I mean, so, such a change to a Suns podcast. Okay. So, let's, so let's, <laughs> let's talk about the Red Sox – uh, decision to DFA Blake Swihart. I actually wrote on CLNS Media why I agree with this move. Gag me. I do agree with the move. Um, it's reactionary, Nicholas. It's reactionary. It's, it's reactionary. Needed. No, listen. So I'll explain myself. It sucks to see Blake Swihart get DFA'd, especially because the Red Sox jerked him around so much. But here's the thing. 
people keep saying that and trying the people are trying to like use that as a crutch as to why the Red Sox shouldn't have DFA'd him. I get it. Blake Swihart, Jared, why was the one reason why he got picked to be on the major league roster over Sandy Leon? Because he could hit. Because he could hit. You know what his average was? His average dropped to when they DFA'd him? It was bad. It wasn't great. 231. Yeah, so the one hit. reason that the one reason that you had him on this team was to hit. But he's not a game manager. He is the he's got the strongest arm out of the three. He gets the ball down to second base faster than anybody. Listen, part of the catcher's job, the biggest thing about a catcher, it's overhitting, is game managing and calling pitches for your pitcher, making your pitcher feel comfortable. All I don't know about Eduardo Rodriguez. I don't even know about David Price, but the numbers back it up. Chris Sale has vocally said, or Chris Sale has made it known, that Santa Leone is his guy. He feels much better when Santa Leone is behind the plate. Didn't really show that much in New York, but maybe that changes next time. Nathan Eovaldi last year came out and said that Santa Leone makes him feel comfortable. But if you can't tell me it was super numbers, you can't tell me better with Leon behind the plate. That was super reactionary to the Chris Sale situation. Because it, was. it just he DFA'd they DFA'd him on the day that Chris Sale was supposed to start, then call up Sandy Leone, get him a police escort basically f- to New York for him to catch, and then he's in the lineup that night to catch for Chris Sale. And look what happened. Chris Sale still sucked. I don't necessarily know if Chris Sale sucked. He was throwing faster, and if you tell me, okay, and if you tell me that Chris Sale wasn't throwing 97 because his catcher wasn't freaking Sandy Leone, disgusting, okay? Disgusting. That's awful. I if you tell me he couldn't rear back and huck it down the plate 97 miles an hour because his precious Sandy Leone wasn't behind the damn plate, that's ridiculous. Now, don't throw Doug Marabelli in my face because that's a knuckleball situation that's totally different. I wasn't going to throw Doug Marabelli in your face. I was waiting for it. I, so do, just, I don't even have Doug Marabelli here. How am I going to throw you into his fa- into your I'm face? Get, I'm getting out ahead of it because that has been all I've been doing. Well, Doug Marabelli had the same situation happen. Yeah, because no one can catch a freaking knuckleball. And Marabelli, that's true. That was that was stupid to let him go. I, <laughs> that was, and, that, and that, that what I agreed with. But like Blake Swihart, the reason why I find him so valuable in what he was doing, yeah, he's not the greatest catcher in the world. But Vasquez is your primary guy anyway. He's versatile enough to play different positions. Dustin Pedroia is now on the shelf and might not come back. Who's playing second base? So that's what makes this whole situation look shitty. And I was going to bring that up. It's like Hanley last year. You released Hanley to get make room for Pedroia, and then Pedroia goes back on the shelf. And now it's like, I didn't need to release Hanley. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you got the World Series MVP out of that, so whatever. No, I know, but I'm just saying, like, you didn't need to release Hanley. And the Blake Swihart move does look worse now because Dustin Pedroia is down. But at the time, and I know it was reactionary, but what was your other move? Like, you weren't going to get rid of Dustin Pedroia. You weren't going – You you had to – Here's the thing with Sandy Leon. The pitchers clearly feel better with Sandy Leon behind the plate. There's no arguing that. And if that's going to make this pitching staff better, then great. Bring him back up. Have him hit 177. I know he sucks at the plate. He's horrible at the plate. But if your ace that you just gave a five-year extension to feels better with Sandy Leon behind the plate, you have to make that move. You have to bring What's him back. The and then the- Why does it have to be DFAing Blake Swihart? You have so many freaking pitchers in the bullpen. Who else are you going to get rid of? so many arms that do not need to be up here. That you're just Who else are you going to get rid of? Your bullpen's not good enough to get rid of arms. 
You can't be like, hey, I can rely on Ryan Brazier, even though I love Ryan Brazier. <laughs> so I gave up a grand slam last night. Okay, asterisk next to that one. That yeah. one. Fuck <laughs> Yankee Stadium. It's not a home run anywhere Fuck else. Fuck Yankee, Yankee Stadium. Stadium. It's what a joke. Hey, Yankee fans, if we got any Yankee fans listening, listening to this right now, your stadium is a joke. Right field is literally six feet. It's a wiffle ball field. Nick, that is a Nick, joke. Nick and I could get up there and hit an opposite field home run. Not a Yankee Straight Stadium. Up. Come on now. Straight up, you throw me a slow pitch softball, I'm taking that ball over the uh, right field, Yankee Stadium. Easy. Oh, dude, in our prime baseball days, we could throw an opposite field home run over that fucking fence. It's nothing. So stupid. But regardless, 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 not. I don't think there was even a relief pitcher that you had to get rid of. Maybe Marcus Walden. Who they sent down anyway. I know who they sent down anyway. That's it. That's your move right there. You I, were, don't, I don't, Wait, I don't, don't hate didn't, the move. Didn't they, didn't they DFA? Um, Swihart and still send Walden down at the same time. Yes, but they switched Walden with somebody else. But they didn't need to. But you do because you don't have good you don't have good bullpen help. That's the problem. And you don't have that. You don't you know, Dombrowski's. You don't have a group of guys in your bullpen that you can be like, we believe in these guys enough where we can afford to have these guys pitch every other night or every night. That's my problem. And you're not gonna get rid of Nunez. Call you're not gonna up. Call Durbin coming up. Be done with it. You're not going to get rid of Dustin Bedroya. At least yeah, you we, thought. He's, going on, he's now <laughs> going on the injured list, according to Brad Rob Bradford. It, the situation sucks. I think Dustin Bedroya is retiring. Just FYI, I think he's done. I, I'm one. Okay, that's a conversation we're about to have. I'm one of the few people who doesn't hate the San Leon Blake Swihart move because I think Blake Swihart, and I know we love him. Red Sox fans go nuts over. Blake I don't hate San Leon being up here. I just you could ca- find a way to carry three catchers. You did it last year. I know. It worked. And listen, we uh, Red Sox fans go nuts over Blake Swihart. They do, and he was a first round draft pick. Draft pick in 2011, 26 overall. Who they poorly mismanaged. Who they who they destroyed. Like if I'm Blake Swihart, I'm giving everybody the finger on the way out. All management, I'm giving them all the finger because they fucked over his career. He's happy. They literally, about this. you know, he's happy. But someone's gonna pick him up. Somebody's gonna pick him up, and I and I hope he does well. I really do. It sucks. The situation sucks, but I get it because. I, f- I was curious when they were going to bring Sandy Leon back up because the starting pitching staff is too good to be pitching that way. And you do need a game manager. Besides, if people who don't think you need a game manager behind the plate, you don't know baseball. Well, yeah. You no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think Sandy Leon has massive value despite his lack of ability. And he's the, he's, the, he's the best defensive catcher they have. And you know, you know how sick and tired I was too? This is another thing that's not being talked about enough. Do we know how many fucking pass balls there have been this year? A lot. A lot. We saw a guy steal home. Okay, but that was because Chris Sale hucked it 80 feet the other direction. That wasn't yeah, like Jer's fault. But if San Leon's paying attention too, he's probably goes, "Yo, Chris, uh, what are we doing in the in the full windup right now? What are we doing?" Or hey, or he's gonna look at Devers, be like, "Hey, Devers, can you hold him on, please? You're 25 feet off the bag. Can you please hold him on?" Yeah, because San Leon's now a miracle worker. Got it. Okay. He's a game manager. That's what he does. He's controlling the entire field. You're giving way I, too much I don't credit to Sandy Leone. You're giving way too much credit I think he's a great – no, I don't think he gets enough credit for being a game manager. You're I don't. giving way too much credit to Sandy Leone. Okay, yeah, because they're marking wild pitches. Sandy Leone blocks a lot of these balls. The, when Chris Sale or Nathan Evaldi throws a ball into the dirt – How many wild Blake's pitches do we have, Patrick? Because some of those are probably not technically shouldn't be wild pitches. Yeah, thank you, because you got to block those balls. 
They count a ball that's chucked into the dirt as a wild pitch. To be fair to you your point, Nick, that ball. baseball stat people who give those things out are so much more favorable to the catchers. Like they give so many more yeah. wild pitches and they do pass balls. It's not even funny. We've seen so many this year that should have been blocked. And I think Santa Lena blocks them. I do. 100%. <sighs> okay, Dustin Bedroya on the <laughs> injured list. 10-day uh, day IL. Sorry, I fucking hate that. I'm going to keep calling it the DL. It's so stupid that they switched to the IL. Maybe that's why the Red Sox are losing because they just it's no longer on the disabled list, so yeah. they they can't figure it out. Okay, so Dustin Bedroya uh, left the game against New York last night, Wednesday, April seventeenth, with left knee discomfort. He's now on the injured list. People, as we know, he's had surgery on the left knee. He had to miss most of last season. Played three games last year. Dustin Bedroya. As far as I'm concerned, and as far as you're probably concerned too, I think he's done. He's done, dude. Like, how is he not done? And it sucks to and say because I I love Petey. Look, if he's really if he felt something because the core was saying like he he came right to me and said he felt discomfort and something happened. Okay, that means something got re-injured, which means why risk it? Like, you have a future to worry about now. Like, why do you want to have bad knees? The problem is the Red Sox didn't plan for this. The Red Sox planned on freaking him playing, like, 90-something games, 100-something games. And I'm like, wait, how can you justifiably <laughs> look at Dustin Pedroia and go, yeah, he'll play 120 games. We don't we don't need a guy to back him up. We'll just have Nunez sprinkle around the field. Swart, maybe. Now we'll DFA him. We're good. Pedroia's back, guys. Papini's back. Woo! The little leader. I think he's done. I he's think he's done. And who knows? Who knows, next week when we come back on this podcast, he could have already made his announcement that either either A, he's retiring, or B, that he's fine, and maybe he's back in the lineup. I mean, it's a 10-day DL, so, I mean, IL, so we're going to have to uh, wait 10 days anyway. But, I mean, the Red Sox have porked themselves because Brock Holt still got poked in the eye by his son Griff, so now he still can't play right now because he's got a scratched cornea. Eduardo Nunez is horrendous at second base. I'm still fine with Nunez being out there, but her- he's still bad. They, 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 they called him Zue Lin, who is very serviceable for a second baseman. Jared, you know who's hitting piss missiles right now? Has played a couple games at second base. Who? Michael Chavis. I love that guy. I I want him to get a chance. He'll probably get a chance, and if Pedroia does retire this year, don't be shocked if Chavis comes up. Chavis. Let me ask you guys a question, right? How troubling is it that? Our best pitchers currently on the Red Sox, if we're going strictly by win percentage, is Marcus Walden, Matt Barnes, and Brian Johnson. That's very troubling. I'm speechless. It's it's horrifying. Look, the guy you just said, Walden, is up there. The Red Sox (laughs) percentage. And Walden got his ass rocked. Huh? He's number one on the list. He's played five games. He's got two wins. More wins than any other Red Sox pitcher. And then he got his ass rocked, and then they sent him back down to AAA. Look, the Red Sox know what they have to do. So we're moving away from Dustin Bedroy now. The Red Sox know what they have to do. Um, okay, so wait, back to Dustin Bedroy. Fourth lowest ERA on the Red Sox. That sucks. <laughs> so Pedroia, Pedroia, we both agree. We think he might be done. We'll see. The thing is, like you said, for his quality of life, like he almost has to stop playing. That knee is going to be so fucked up. It's almost like the Gronk conversation. Like, yeah, you can deal with it. You could battle through, come back, and be somewhat productive. But why? What's the point? But we knew this was going to happen because of the way this guy's played his yeah, entire career. What pisses me off is like 
everyone in their right mind thought, why are you giving Pedroia that much like trust to play that many games? And Red Sox just kind of went with it. Like, yeah, 160 games. So probably like 120. It's fine. <laughs> no worries. Like, what? okay. And what? just and, and just focusing on the play of the Red Sox right now, six and thirteen. It's lazy. They're playing. It's lazy, lazy play and it's sloppy play. They're they're still in 2018. They're still concerned about the World Series. They still haven't gone to the White House, which they're going to next week. Half the team's not even going. But like all this stuff's still happening. It's one of the biggest World Series hangovers I've ever seen. They're all playing lazy. They're not trying. And now David Price is coming out and saying, "Well, if we don't figure it out, Mookie Betts and JD Martinez could get traded," which is true. And he said himself too. He could and get he said, traded I too. Can get tra- yeah, he, and he's like, because I mean, he's seen it happen, right? Like when he when that Tampa team was really good, and then the year after that they sucked. They all they threw a fire cell at it. So like, there are yeah, some but that, that, the, the difference is they they know they can't afford those guys. Okay, like but the, Red the Red Sox, Sox can't pay. Them. The Red Sox can't pay everybody. Look, here's the thing. In the end, I think that this team does turn it around. I still do. It's only it's it's like we're we're having a panic right now. I know they're six and thirteen. There's seven games out under 500. At the moment of recording, they are uh, eight and a half games back of first place to Tampa Bay, to the Rays, who aren't a team to, to sneeze at. Like They're a legit baseball team right now. They've got some great pitching um, on that staff. But you want to know another troubling stat? I tweeted this yesterday. Six of the nine batters in the Red Sox lineup are batting 236 or lower as of a day ago. Six of the nine are batting 236 or lower. What's Mookie Betts' batting average? Mookie Betts has been one of the biggest problems on this team. That's why. And he up. knows it too because he's he's brought it up. He's uh, He said it himself, I've got to figure this out. I've got to get this done because Mookie Betts, Mookie Betts, while he is the reigning MVP, he's somebody that this team relies on and not just relies on to, to, to hit as well as an MVP – but they rely on him to at least just get on base and give your guys like J.D. Martinez an opportunity to drive batters in. Mm-hmm. As of right now, Mookie Betts is hitting 200. 200. Your MVP is barely hitting 200. 200. That's your problem right there. He's the go for this offense. J.D. Martinez is the only guy that's picked up where this team left off last year. Only one. Actually, I'm Googling as we speak, J.D. Martinez batting average. Um, And look, I don't think Alex Cora is somebody who just deserves to get a pass on this. I think you have to blame Alex Cora because they didn't have a spring. They didn't have a spring training. They they, They rolled through spring training, got their asses handed to them every night. Their starters barely played. Their starting pitchers barely pitched. And did you just expect to roll into the season and win? Alex Cora I think Alex Cora deserves some blame. Oh, of course he does. Alex Cora should know more than anybody that it doesn't work like that. Like, he's won a series, World Series as a player. He should know that it takes a lot of effort to turn around quickly, come back, be prepared, and start over. Like, you have to reset and be prepared. And these guys were off partying all, all winter, deservingly so. Like, you won a World Series. You deserve to go have fun and celebrate that. But, like, when spring training rolls around... It's gone. You're done. 2018 is gone. Work. It's 2019. You're back to work. You have a title to defend. So to come out and be the one of the worst teams in baseball after being the one of the most winningest teams to ever play the damn game is a disgrace when the roster is almost identical. J.D. Martinez right now is hitting 352 with a 1017 OPS. J.D. Martinez is the one guy who is just like, hey, guys, uh, we're here to play some fucking baseball. 
Can so can we please start playing some fucking baseball? He's also got four dingers already on the season. Jumbo Dongs. Jumbo Dongs got four dingers all the way already it's, on the season. You, you know it's bad, and this is because Jared Carabas is a good friend of the show. When the Section 10 podcast becomes a Phoenix Suns podcast, no joke, go to their Twitter handle, there's a fire happening. It's panic mode. That's it. It's panic mode. It's just disgusting play all around. Just straight up, disgusting play all around. And back to the, you know what? I want to I want to mention again that David Price comment that you brought up. One of my favorite things is like I think he's actually trying to get the team going a little bit because he didn't just mention yeah we could get traded. He was like he mentioned a reason. He was like we could get traded because our farm system is one of the worst, right? And it is. And it is. It is. The farm system. <laughs> see, the great, see, this is now why I actually I I've I've never really completely turned against David Price and like we all said it if. People are gonna like him if he start if he started winning and he start pitching well. He's a hundred percent right. And he like, did have a great game the other night. He's one of the guys who's turned it around. Yeah, he's he's fine. Not my problem. Much far larger fish to fry. Look, David Price literally said, "We our farm system sucks. We've depleted it. We're all we all know that we're good. But if if we keep sucking, you know, they could easily trade us and start over and try to replenish what we need, what we can provide." He knows it. He's not stupid. And now he's saying it out loud. But I think the problem – he mentions Mookie Betts by name because he wants to get him motivated, I think. I agree with you there. I think he just lumps in J.D. Martinez because he's playing so well. And, like, he just if – if he just singles out – his contract's Mookie, coming up too. Those he, are two guys whose contracts are coming up. If he, that's if he opts out. If he just singles out Mookie Betts, then he looks like an asshole. But now if he's lumping in himself, J.D. Martinez, who has an opt-out, which I don't even know if he will. But Mookie Betts is the guy. Like, if they suck – why wouldn't you trade Mookie Betts? Get something for him. Reset. Do you bring back Craig Kimbrell? He's looking for a fair a fair deal now. Three years, $52 million. About the same that uh, Zach Britton got. I would. Why not? If 352 is $17 million a year. That's basically what you gave Nathan Evaldi. At least average annuals. You're a closer. The guy you thought was going to be the fucking closer. Um but, I know. I think it would have been a smart move to make him your closer. The longer this goes, the more likely I think it could happen. Um, He's already got some deals pending with some teams, I guess. So I, I wouldn't be shocked in the next week if Kimbrell's on a team. I think he's going to the Brewers. I still think it's the best fit. I know You know there's a standing offer out there. Um, I think he ends up with the Brewers. And why wouldn't you say yes to that team right now? Wow. I'm still saying, I, I if I got an offer from a team in California, like after going to San Diego, I get why Manny Machado picked San Diego. Dude, they're playing well. They're playing well, and it's unbelievably nice out there. I'm gonna say, <laughs> like, honestly, you know, you went like th- there's no there's there's real hype around that city. Like it's a it's a smaller city, but like the weather's just plump. it's yeah, and it's nice. All right, so Red Sox panicking right now. Yes, hopefully next week they got some wins under their belt. All right. You want to talk about the Boston Marathon quick for two seconds? You can. You ran it. Dude, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. What was, the most, you ran, what was the most you ran before the marathon? Like 20. Mileage? You, you, never, you never got to 26. No. Are you not supposed to? You're not supposed no. to, right? Your body's supposed to just no. kind of like push itself to that spot. Yeah. I tracked you. I made it to 20. And the Boston Marathon this past Monday. So I did reach my goal of $10,000. Uh, so I raised the money from Massachusetts Zion Hospital. The 26 miles 
was the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. Were you nervous at the beginning? Were you shaking a little bit when you were sitting there at the starting line? Just no, I thought I was going to be nervous. I, the, I, I got nervous on my way, like when I was in the car. Yeah. And then as I got to, like we, Mass Eye and Air, our team, we had our own little house. So we had our own little house that was next to the Athletes Village, which was Hopkinton High School. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had our like our own like you toilets. Boozing? Huh? You guys boozing before the race? <laughs> that little pregame? Yeah. Pregame? Love it. No, no. So it was. A little JMO and Jin before the long there, run. There we were all talking, so I wasn't really thinking about it. Once I got to the starting line, though, I got excited. So I got, once I got, I was, I was never nervous. I wasn't gonna finish, but once I got to the starting line, I knew I was gonna finish. I was like, "There's no way I'm not finishing this race." And then, so the weather. Did you run with anybody? Did you run with no. anybody? I saw some people that I knew, like like I saw this girl Jenny I knew from college. Uh, we ran together for a little bit, um, and then I saw. So this is so going along the race. The weather sucked. For the first 11 miles, 12 miles, I was cruising. That was easy at that point. It was fine. I saw some people through Framingham because that's where I went to college to, gave a bunch of people hugs, saw my old boss. It was awesome. Saw a bunch of people that I know. And then the sun came out because it was so it was raining. The sun came out. It all of a sudden went from 50 degrees to 70 degrees. My body was like, you're running 12 miles. Now you're overheating. What is going on? I started to get dehydrated. I just died. I was toast. Luckily, they were like, the best part about the marathon was that the, all the spectators were awesome. Like, they were great. Like, they were just, like, giving me orange slices, giving me ice packs. That was the best part. But I'm telling you, dude, once that sun came out, I was toast. And that was only at mile 12. And then it started clicking in my head. I was like, I have 14 miles to go, which was brutal. <laughs> That's like the brutal. worst time for the sun to come out. You're like 15 miles left, and you're like, I should be done right now. It was Fuck horrible. This. And then it took me – I, I finished – it took me a long time, but it took a lot of people a long time. Like nobody n- nobody that I've spoken to hit their goal because it was such a hard day with the weather. It was such a brutal day. But it was weird, man. Like I ran by Wellesley – Wellesley College, and I, there's like a tradition where the Wellesley College girls ask you to kiss them, and I had no idea. And they're all like, they were like, "Come here!" And like one girl said, "I was like, I use tongue." I was like, "Listen!" And one girl grabbed me. One girl physically grabbed me on the way by, trying to pull me in. I was like, "No, <laughs> leave me alone! I am in a relationship, you hoe. I am a happy son of a bitch, you pain in my ass." <laughs> and they are all like, like they like beg you to kiss them, and I was like, "Guys, can you fucking back off, please." But it was crazy. It was the. It was, and I, I'm open to say this. Like I cried when I crossed the finish line. Oh, wouldn't don't I feel like everyone should. Like I, if I ran the mouse marathon, I would. I'd pass out at the end. I'd literally curl, heal over. But I, wouldn't you cry? Because it's like that. It, your body is just like giving out so much energy that like there's nothing else you can do but cry. It was the. It was yeah. My brain was exhausted. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And there will. I don't know if there will ever be a feeling. Because it was just like a certain feeling of when I turned onto Boylston Street and I saw the finish line. Because that's when I—that's when it clicked, and I was like, "Oh man, I did this!" And like, and like, the tears started to come down a little bit once I saw mile twenty-five. Once I passed the mile twenty-five marker, because I was like, "I have one mile to go." How many and miles do you run on Boylston? Not much, like a half mile. It's like a half mile, right? It's not. Yeah, 
But it's long. Like, I didn't think it was that long. When I turned on to Boylston, when I turned on to Boylston Street and I saw that, I was like, are you kidding me? It's that far away. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good size run. It's all the way from like the ends of the Heinz down to Copley. It's like, yeah, it is. It's, it's, that blocks. Whole curve. Yeah. it's like it's, six blocks. Yeah, as, when I made that turn, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> this is bullshit. It should be right there. <laughs> And there are two hills right at the end. Whoever made this, whoever decided this was the course, they're a bunch of assholes. Because when you're already dead, you're mid-mile 25, you go through a tunnel, and then you have to run up a steep hill. And, like, you're already 25 and a half miles in. And you're like, okay, great. I just climbed this hill again. And then when, you, when you're about to turn on a Boylston, there's, like, another long little hill there that you have to fight to go up. <laughs> and, like, you're already dead at that yeah, point. Yeah, see, this is why I never want to run the Boston Marathon. And dude, I'm telling you, though, like, I've already been asked several times – again since to run it with people I, I i probably won't but it was the great it was like i love that i did it it was the greatest it was one of the greatest See, he wants to do it life. once but i feel like i just won't do it it's a lot of effort it's a lot <laughs> it's I don't a lot much effort because you gotta do the I'm, fundraising and you gotta do the training and it's just like the training itself blows and you gotta do it or you're screwed oh you have to do it yeah there's no way avoiding it all right that's it. Couch Guys Sports Podcast, episode 104 in the books. That was a long episode. That was probably the longest episode we've done in a long time. I mean, did you see the show prep list you sent me? <laughs> I know. But dude, we got a lot to talk about right now. Couch Guys Sports Podcast, episode 104 in the books. Guys, follow us on everything at Couch Guys Sports Pod on Twitter. And then the normal page, Couch Guys Sports, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Couch Guys Sports. And then Jared's new podcast here on the network, Red Sox Podcast, Into the Triangle. Jared, what's the Twitter handle? At Into the Triangle at into the triangle guys catch it pilot episode dropped we have a new episode that drops tonight it's going it's going up as soon as we get off this call my friend it's going up tonight so by the time you guys listen to this already be out so guys check that out and then couch guy hollywood still fire show and then the into the raptors pod dropped a new podcast episode last night guys go to the store follow us on everything rate and subscribe on itunes that's it couch guy sports podcast episode 104 in the books We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening.